50 cow-calf pairs were turned into a new pasture midway through the summer. The next day, every cow looked gaunt, and one was dead. What happened? We'll find out when we talk to Dr. Fritz on Tox Talk on Bovine Science with BCI. Morning, Scott. How's it going, Brad? Good. Dr. Fritz is our toxicologist here at Kansas State University, and this is you always bring us some of the most interesting cases, and it's always something that just popped up, right? So something that was everything was good yesterday, we turned them into a new pasture today, and something died, better call tox. Yeah, it could be tox. It's just these cases often have these weird presentations, and they're just different enough where they don't make sense, and yeah. trying to make light of a poor situation and, and use it as an educational tool. So Exactly. And so a lot of these cases, and we've talked about before, some of them have occurred recently. Some of them have occurred over the past couple of years, uh, many of them in the Midwest, but from other areas of the country. And we've modified a little bit to make them teachable, but all of them based on real cases over the last several years that you and Dr. Ensley have put together. Yep, that sums it up. So on this particular case, this group, and this was a case that was midsummer, very hot, pasture looking a little bit dry, and these cattle got moved because the pasture that they came from, probably getting a little bit short, they go into this pasture midsummer, and when they went into the pasture, they were looking good. The next day, the observation was gaunt. So tell, tell us what they were actually seeing in the field. When you say gaunt, what were they seeing on these cows? The the main complaint is they look thin, and so they're, you know, abdominal, not distension, the exact opposite. They're kind of sucked up. You could see the paralumbar fossa. Um, they You know, these cows were spending a lot of time in the shade. You know, the calves actually on these, so they were cow-calf pairs. The calves looked normal, and it was mainly the adults that were, they just looked off and weren't quite behaving like you would normally expect. They weren't spread out grazing. And so, like, immediately they're just physically different than they were the day before. So if we think about what that time frame and what it could be, it's not just room and fill, right? So they had grass in there from yesterday, and it's not going to go away in a day because they're digesting it. But a lot of that is going to be water-based. Is that is that your first? I mean, that's my first thought just based on your description is we're not getting water that we should. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I mean, the producer was on top of it too, and so he immediately intervened and just moved them again to another pasture that was actually contiguous i mean there was a fence but they were able to just walk them through the gate and his observation at that point was all those cows there's a a surface water source in that pasture a big pond all those cows went like right into the pond buried themselves and stood in the pond and were actively drinking at that time which was obviously totally different than they were when he had the complaint okay so that makes us think there's something wrong with the water what what did he go check at that point so he went and checked the water. I mean, it was, so it looks, I'm not for sure 100% on the source. It looks like it's an open tank that's got a solar powered well on it. Okay. Um, so it, he went and checked and there's water in there and we got water samples here. They're very clear. They looked very clean. And he said there, I mean, their water was present. And so it doesn't seem like it's a quantity or a delivery issue at that point. So, so and, and I want to follow up a little bit more on that because the one thing that, and, and I've seen this at, at an operation in the past where the electricity went out for a period of time and the water was empty, but then the electricity came back on, the well kicks back on, 
And especially with those automatic flow tanks, they have a relatively low reservoir. So during hot times, they can clean it out. And then if the power comes back on, it looks like there's water in the tank. Any chance of that in this case? It didn't seem like it. I mean, you could go back, I guess, and check the weather, but they had no suspicion of that. And, I mean, he had checked it when cows were standing around it, and he could see water in there. And so I don't think it was a fill problem. I mean, talk about electricity. Sometimes you can get a short in there, too, that some some sort of stray voltage that shocks cows when they go to get a drink. And so they, you know, avoid it from that sense. Well, of course, he sticks his hand in it, which maybe isn't the best way. That's not the best way to test. He went ahead and did it and didn't get a shock. And so, you know, we're starting to cross some of those things off his lift before he even called in, you know, to the diagnostic lab. Because physical access is part of it, right? Can they actually get to the water? Is the water open? Is it is, on? Is it on? <laughs> is there water in there? Yeah, and we we're you know yeah. checking all those boxes off. Yeah, and does it refill depending on pasture size? How well does it refill? So what would what would be the and and I agree and I've heard a couple people say that right. So you put your hand or finger in to check to see if there's a short. That's not the best way. What is the best way? What would be a good way to check, test if there's a short in the water? Well, probably a voltmeter would be the way to go, but. I guess if you're standing there and need to know immediately, then hopefully yeah. you got a partner there to watch your back if you happen to do get too big of a shock. Yeah. So I think, I think that would be something important because we certainly see that. And I, and I know that cattle are sensitive enough to electricity that, and, it, and about any species, if you're drinking it in your water, you're not going to go back to that water right away. So making sure it's not electricity. What about the... So put water on hold for a second. Anything else, because they just got turned into this pasture, is there anything else from a tox standpoint that comes to mind for you, like uh, exposure to toxic plants, exposure to weeds, that would make them appear gant that quickly? Probably not that quick, quickly. Um, a lot of the toxic plants, you know, they're, it's a difficult diagnosis in general. Uh, but a lot of them that have toxic principles, GI disturbance is one of the things you'll read. And so a lot of them have some immediate GI effects that can cause some anorexia. But like you said, those cows would have been full from the day before. And I wouldn't expect them to be, you know, have an empty rumen in a day. Um, so, it, you know, it may may drive some decrease in feed intake. But on the, the short-term scale we're talking about, it just didn't quite fit. Well, and... Would it be rare or common that you'd have, like, this is a group of 50, right? And they were all affected. And if you go in with a toxic plant, it'd be rare to affect all of them, wouldn't it? Or yeah. would you you'd expect a handful, even if it's something really toxic that they encountered? Right. Yeah, I, you're spot on there. Just yeah. having all of them affected is weird in general, especially with adult animals. Um, but, yeah, it's a good point. Okay. So we're back to water. So So he moved them. They went and got drink out of the water. What what happened at that point to the cows? Did you have more? One of them died, but did you have more of them die after they had moved to the pasture? Did they continue to show symptoms, or how did they respond after they drank water? I was expecting when the story was being relayed to me that there would have been some death loss after that. If they were severely dehydrated, you can get some excess sodium in the brain and rehydration, just like... I was going to say, we've talked salt toxicosis before, so... Surprisingly, no, there were no, I mean, he never mentioned any issues. They, you know, within another 24 hours were back to normal other than the one that had died in the first pasture. So you wonder if she wasn't, you know, hadn't drank in quite a while and then got moved. Um, had, you know, they trailed him down the road for a mile or whatever it was. And um, so, yeah, it was no further issues, which is a good thing, right? But kind of unexpected. 
Okay, so I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow that trail for just a minute because the salt toxicosis that we talked about before was after water deprivation. It's the immediate re-exposure to water. So I've got water deprivation, sodium concentration increases in the brain. They're really dehydrated. I get really hydrated really quickly. Water crosses the blood-brain barrier, and bad things happen. Yep, you get some cerebral edema and crushing of neurons and some neurologic disease pretty quick within a couple hours. Yeah. So in in a case like this, if I think they're like if I'm going back in retrospect, I'm doing it again. I think they're really dehydrated. I know I need to get them hydrated, and I, and I've seen this scenario. I'm worried. I want to get them hydrated quickly. How quickly can I rehydrate them without having to worry about the cerebral edema? It's going to all depend on the degree of dehydration in which you, you know, it's going to be tough to determine that. Clinically, the general recommendations is slow rehydration over about 24 hours. How you do that with a, you know, a herd of 50 I, I, Well, that's what, I was getting, that's what I'm going to. Is. So in the past, we've had cases where, you, you know, so we've talked about hauling water being a big red flag all the time. So you get a dedicated water hauling device, you take it out there. You stay in pasture one with the problem, and you just run the water on the ground. You don't collect it in any sort of vessel. And so you make those cows slurp the water off the ground and slowly rehydrate, and you'll have to make several trips. Uh, but it's worth it to you know not have a, a big outbreak after the fact. It's worth it to avoid the outbreak. And, I, and I've seen some instances where it's smaller groups of cattle where they will turn on. If the water was off, they'll turn back on the water, but it's for a limited period. And then turn it back off again get for a little bit to get them adjusted. Both of those methods, either putting it on the ground or turning on and off the water to let them get a little bit, make it take longer. Yeah. Right. I mean, spend some time and make it take literally a day to, to get them back to where they need to be. Because, it, because what we're avoiding is because if, if they have signs of salt toxicosis or cerebral edema, there's not a ton we can do medically. I mean, we can give them some anti-inflammatories, but it is... Electrolyte management, but again, you're talking 50 head of adult cows. You can't individually handle those like that practically, you know, on a big scale like that. So thankfully, that didn't occur in this case. They started to get better. So, which makes us think we've ruled out some of the physical characteristics of the water, access to the water, other things. Um, I suspect, you said you got a water sample. I suspect that came to your lab. Yeah, so they wanted to do a water quality panel, and so... Water testing in general, there's, it's frustrating because there's, there's not a lot of guidance. There's three documents, one from the European Union, one from the EPA, and one from there's a Canadian board that does some water quality testing. The Canadian one is the most recent, and it's 20 years old. The EPA's document's 50 years old on some of the guidelines for water quality for livestock. And so some of the testing labs are good at what they do, but they're not using actual animal water quality standards. What's, so, what's different between animal and because I assume the water quality standards for people have hopefully been updated in the last 50 years. Yeah, they're well, they're way more stringent, as you can imagine. And so you th- like even you think of fecal coliforms. So if there's a fecal coliform in a human drinking water sample, they're going to issue a boil order. But think about cows in Kansas standing in the water. They're going to be defecating in there and there's really no impact on animal health from fecal coliforms. And so there are they're just differences. different standards. Yeah. For yeah. sure, and they they can be vastly different depending on what parameters we're talking about. So, what are what are some of the parameters that are important that would be on a water? So, this is essentially you're not looking for a toxin; you're just doing a water quality test. 
Yeah, just a basic, you know, test it right now just to see what if there's any parameter that's totally out of whack. Um, and so for parameters I'm talking about, there's, you know, total dissolved solids is one of them. And that's going to be a representation of dissolved salts in there. And it, you're going to have sulfate as part of that, but I think you should also analyze that by itself. So sulfate is typically the main driver of total dissolved solids. And, of course, sulfate can contribute to sulfur-associated polio with a, you know, dietary sulfur. Um, nitrate in water is a big one. We've kind of covered that in a couple different um, podcasts in this seg- segment. Um, iron's one that it's not really a direct toxic effect, but it can, you know, can compete with the uptake of our trace mineral program that we're trying to supply naturally. Um, I'm losing my so, mind here. So would all of those be lumped together in the total dissolved solids? Or do you get individual? Re- so I'm trying to picture what does that report look like? So if I send in a water quality report, that would have total dissolved solids, which would have those. And then are there some individual components as well? There can be, and it just it depends on who's doing the testing. So some labs will test hardness, which is calcium, magnesium together. Um, really no impact on animal health. It really contributes basically nothing to the diet, but you can get some water fixture problems. Um, but, you know, for livestock, total dissolved solids is a parameter in and of itself. The sulfate is a part of that. And then the rest of those are kind of on their own. Gotcha. So that, I mean, that's, you don't need much on a water quality panel for livestock, but those are things, especially for cattle, those are things we definitely need to pay attention to. Okay. So now I don't think I asked you, is this water coming from a well or like a rural water or is it being pumped out of a pond? And does that matter? It does matter. So this particular case was, um, it was a 65 or 70 foot well. Okay. that had a solar pump on it that was filling, I think it was filling a tank. I don't recall for sure if it was an automatic watering or a tank, an open tank. I think it was an open tank. Uh, but if it's coming out of the pond, then really there's no reason to look at fecal coliforms. Sometimes we'll do that on rural or groundwater. Because they'll be there in the yeah, pond. In the pond for sure. But if you've got contamination in some of those other setups, then you need to go look at if is there a, a break in the a casement or something um, that, that warrants some investigation. And so it does matter the source it's coming from, but in this case, it was just a your standard 70-foot well. Okay. And so what did you find on the water quality test? So the, there was no nitrate in there to speak of, which is good. Um, the total dissolved solids was, was really, really elevated. So that's on a 1,000 part per million scale. If you're under 3,000 part per million, generally not going to experience any problems. But if you get over about 7,000 part per million, you can have some decreased consumption, almost to no consumption at all. If you get much over 10,000 part per million, you can have some death loss associated with that. And so in this particular case, I got uh, the, the water itself coming out of the ground and then some taken out of the tank. And they were both extremely elevated, well over 25,000 part per million, which is crazy. Wow. And I've never seen anything like it and started kind of questioning if it was even real. And so then we start going back and trying to do some of these individual metals in there, minerals in there, just to see what's really driving that. And like I said, sulfate's usually the main driver. And it was would, elevated, but not like Would you Would you expect a smell? Elevated. I mean, so at that level, if you had it that high, would it smell like sulfur? Would I expect to be able to just know that by looking at it? Or can I not 
use smell to tell if the water level of sulfates are elevated? Usually you can smell it. I mean, it's that rotten egg smell that you would expect. Um, you, you probably won't see it. And that's what threw me on this waters. It was crystal clear. Yeah. And really, I mean, it's kind of a basic assay. You just measure the volume and evaporate it in whatever, you know, you weigh it before and after, and that's what gives you the concentration. And these were just crazy. And it, you know, ultimately ended up being sodium and chloride were actually driving that rather than sulfate that we're used to seeing. Wow. So salt. Salt. It was almost the same concentration of salt as seawater. Okay. So where's that coming from? I have no idea. The ocean? Well, we think the ocean, but we're, <laughs> this was not that far from Manhattan, so we're landlocked. and you know, So we're far enough from the ocean, probably not the probably ocean. Probably not the ocean. But this, okay. so the, the confusing part is this well had been used for 10 years. I mean, he, the producer sent me the drill, the initial drill data, and it was 10 years ago. Used it ever since with no problem, and then all of a sudden this year, it's you can't use it. I mean, they, they, obviously they wouldn't drink it, and some of the parameters in there are high enough to cause some death loss, and you wouldn't want to. And yeah. that's what was really the confusing part of this whole thing. You know, you typically you'd expect your groundwater sources to be pretty consistent year after year. Once, once we've got a well and we've done the testing, we expect it to stay pretty much the same. Yeah. And this one didn't. And so, you know, I tried getting a hold of, you know, different authorities and the geological survey. And the best anybody could tell me was it's geology related. So I don't know if there's a salt vein running through. I mean, there's some salt mines not far from that part of the country. Um, is there a you know a crack in an aquifer that that got screwed up? I don't know, and I don't know that we ever will know. Yeah, and and at this point though, you know they're not going to be drinking out of that well, and we don't know if it'll ever come back or if you'll have to have a different water source there. What 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 are the other? Is there anything else we can do to prevent this I, beyond annual testing? I don't think so. But I, I mean, I have a hard time recommending annual testing. Well, that's you know, what that, I was going to ask be because cost prohibitive at some point. Um, and they, you know, the, the water testing is not that expensive, but you do it year after year on the same place, and they all are the same every time. You're going to get pretty tired of doing that. Yeah. And so, I maybe the best thing is watch them when you turn into a new pasture, and you know check them close the next day like everybody does anyway well i think i think you're right though i i would emphasize what you just said because i think what you just said is really smart because when you turn them into a new pasture check them really closely because it it could be we talked about some toxic could be toxic plants it could be something else they're exposed to it could be anything if they start acting odd the other thing, which I think is as far as we usually go back and say what went well, what didn't go well, what went well in this case is the producer was paying attention and noticed it right away. Because in, in one more day, where would we have been? We, we wouldn't have been in the same spot. No, it would have been a lot worse. And I, I mean, to your point, I, when you turn them into a new setting, like the point of watching them closely, you listen back to some of these podcasts, that's almost – it's. One of the things that happens pretty often is they're turned into a new place and then you have a problem. And almost all of our recommendations are put them back where they were, where you weren't having a problem or move them somewhere else. Yeah. Move, move them right move away. Them. And that's, right? that's what, I mean, exactly what happened in this case too. Yeah. And, and that is, and I've observed that too, where you have just, and maybe they didn't move pastures, but something else happened, but the animals aren't behaving as normal. And when they don't have enough water, they're not interested in coming up to eat. I mean, they're not interested in doing what they normally do. And so if you see calves that are milling around, standing off to the side, 
water's going to be one of the first things that you would check. Yeah, especially if you've got adult cows not grazing in the summertime, you know, the, yeah. there's a problem. There's something going on. And it's almost always water. You know, water's going to drive intake, and when they're not intaking feed, then next step is to look at the water. Yeah, exacerbated by the heat. For sure. So in this case, anything you would do different as you go back through it or anything that you would say, well, th- here's what I would do next time? I don't know that you could change the outcome on this one. You know, dedicated water source that's been used for years and all of a sudden it's no good anymore. And I, you, there's no way to anticipate that beyond annual testing. You'd never even figure that out. And again, I don't know that I could recommend that. No, I totally agree with you. I don't know that I'd go with annual testing. The only, the only thing, and you and you brought it up and said it earlier, is the gut instinct when you get water deprivation is I got to get water back into them as soon as possible. And you're, you're telling, what I'm hearing from you is curb that instinct a little bit, right? C- give them water a little bit at a time. Because in this case, they got along fine. We didn't end up with the salt toxicosis on the back end from not getting enough water. But we'd want to meter that out a little bit and either put it, I like your idea of putting it on the ground because they're only going to drink so much so fast that way. Would that be reasonable to try? Yeah, that's, that's it's somewhat, hard with 50 head of cows. Oh, yeah. And it's somewhat conflicting, too, because we just said move them. But, you know, maybe the thing to do is to hydrate them where they're at and then move them. Because the last thing you want to do is, is you know, if they're on a, a some sort of man-made water device, you can at least control that. But if you turn them into somewhere that's got surface water, a pond or a creek or what have you, there's no way to control that. Yeah. Other than You're not getting them off. back out of the pond after they're... Yeah. And who's going to do that on a, you know, that emergency basis like that, so... There's some, definitely some considerations there. Absolutely. So something to think about. So if we want to find out more about either the salt toxicosis we talked about, we've got a previous podcast on that with some materials online, or you want to find out more about this case or other tox cases, where could you go for information? Uh, the, a good starts the BCI website, and there's some, you know, there's a tab there for the tox talk stuff. We've got some show notes there. Most of them have some additional references and reading material on the end of that. Um, and I, we'll put out something on water quality for livestock in general and just kind of sum all those parameters up so you can see them in text rather than trying to hear them over a podcast. Yeah, I think that'd be great because checking that water quality is important, especially if you get, you may not want to do annual testing, but if I get a new pasture, new well, new situation to me, it may be worth giving it a check, especially depending on the class of cattle I'm putting in there. Yeah, for sure. I agree 100%. So excellent case. Good discussion. And thanks for joining us, Dr. Fritz. We'll talk to you on our next podcast.